Good morning. It's been a great morning, hasn't it? Five baptisms. Wow. Wow. You know what's really neat about baptizing when you're up there? One of the things I will say, and I've been doing this a long time, I have never seen anyone, um, man, woman, child, elderly, I've never seen anyone ever come up out of the water without a smile on their face. And that's what it's about. So I, want to just, I just want to remind you again today, what you're seeing there, this is not a lukewarm church. And we want to continue to feed that fire, to fan that flame, because we don't want to be a lukewarm church, because a lukewarm church is made of lukewarm people, and what happens is their impact as a church is lukewarm, and we don't want to be that, right? So Easter's coming. We're starting a new series today, but the series is going to go through Easter to the Sunday after Easter, and we're going to end on the shores of Capernaum. And there's a group of men who are going to be fishing because they go back to what they know best. And somebody shows up on the shore, and he invites them to breakfast. And you don't want to miss the conversation because the conversation that Jesus has with them is the same conversation that he's had with many of you here, including me. So, the other thing that we know is that on Easter Sunday, this place is going to be packed. And I really believe that God is sending those people to us. So, if he's sending them to us, there must be a reason. And the reason is, is he's entrusting them to us. And all I want you to do every Sunday as we get ready for Easter is this, is that when you come in, take a moment and greet the people who are around you. You don't have to go from one side to the other, but just go up to somebody and just simply say, hi, I don't know if I know you, but this is who I am, and I'm glad you're here. And so we're going to practice that. Would you just do that right now? Find somebody close by, shake their hand and say, I'm glad you're here, and welcome them. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. I want you to know that I believe with all of my heart, with all my heart, that God has been preparing since the beginning of time to send some people to this church, and he is going to use one of us here to make an impact on their life that is going to change everything for eternity. I wish you knew who was here today. I wish you knew what they're going through. And I wish you would understand the role that each of us play in helping them find their way home. Real quickly, I just want to remind you that next week we're going to take a survey. And we're going to take a survey because I told you something was coming. And uh, I, I need to hear from you, the leadership here, we need to hear from you about some of the things that are happening here. We've got a lot of things that need to be fixed, and so we just want to hear what you have to say, and we're going to take that as we plan for the future, but that's for next week. Right now, I want to focus on what we're going to do today. How many of you like to walk? Would you just raise your hand? Okay. Now, one of the things that, that I want to say to you is that um, I love to take walks, and the reason I like to take walks is because I can do two things at one time. I don't like to run because I get bored, 
But I want you to understand that walking is really, really good for you. Now, what I want to ask you next is this, is how many of you here keep track of how many steps you take each day? Okay, very good. I'm at 3,263 steps as of right now, okay? Now, I'll tell you what it is after the sermon because I tend to wander around a little bit, okay? But you know what? We keep track of our steps because we know that walking is good for us. Maybe you have a goal. I want to get this many steps in today because that's what's going to help me to lose weight or to, you know, to, to get in shape or whatever it is you want to do. But I just want to, I want to remind you that walking is really important. And the reason that walking is really important, why doctors say that we should walk, is simply because it's a low-risk exercise. And especially for guys like me, okay? I've got my knees, I've got my ankles, I'm very, very thankful for that. I don't have any major injuries or anything like that. And so my doctors have told me, quit running. Just walk at a brisk pace. And here's why, here's what they tell. There's so many benefits. Number one, it increases your muscular endurance, it increases your energy, and it's the best thing for your heart. And so if you were to go to a doctor and maybe you're recovering from an injury, or maybe you're down the road a little bit, and you're asking, what kind of exercise should I, would, should I do? Here's what he's going to tell you. Walk. Just walk. As good as walking is for you, here's what I want to say to you this morning. It's even better when it's done with someone else. I want to say that again. As good as walking is for you, it's even better better when it's done with someone else. Did you know that in the very beginning of creation, the Lord God walked with his creation, the Bible tells us, in the garden. That's our God. Now, the reason that we walk, well, it's because we want to be in relationship with him. Take a look at this in Genesis, what the Bible tells us about this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They weren't surprised. They weren't scared. It was something that they recognized because it had happened before. And it says, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, why was God walking in the garden? Because he wanted to walk with Adam and Eve. Have you ever wondered what that walk was like? Hey, Adam, come here. What do you think of that tree over there? Mm. Good climbing tree, don't you think? Or I wonder if he ever said to Eve, Eve, have you tried this fruit? You thought yesterday's fruit? Wait till you taste this. Can you imagine? Hey, Adam and Eve, tell me, what do you think about the elephants? Can you even say rhinoceros? I mean, all of these conversations, and why did he do this? Because God knew that when you walk together, you have to communicate. You have to talk. And you know what? Communication is the key ingredient to providing intimacy. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from Amos chapter 3, verse 3, this is a long verse, but it's very important. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. 
Father, let's take a walk. Just you and me. Let's talk. I want to get to know you more. I want to get to know you like I've never known you before. I want to share and I want to listen. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Pastor Aaron did a great job last week, didn't he? He did a really good job. When Lori and I were first married, she would say to me, pretty regularly, she would say, hey Bob, you wanna take a walk? Now I'm not gonna go into any detail about this, but I just want you to picture this. I'm six, seven. She's five, five. Can you imagine how the, how the conversation went? <laughs> Wasn't always good. But what I want you to know is that I learned after I grew up and I want you to know, ladies, I'm trying to teach these young men in premarital counseling that what they really you need to do is not listen to their words, but listen to their heart. And so what I figured out over a period of time was is that Lori wasn't really telling me, do you want to go for a walk? She was saying to me, do you want to go for a talk? Aha! <laughs> you see, that's what a walk is that the Lord is describing here. It's a relationship. And I found that when Lori and I, would, we would go on walks together, you know what, we had to talk, we had to communicate to one another. And I've also learned that the more we communicate, the more we talk to one another, the more that we share of our hearts, the more we come together like this. That's the goal that Jesus Christ has for each one of you, not only in this room, but in this entire world. God's goal is to walk with his creation and be in relationship with them. Now, God knows that not everyone in the world is going to walk with him. In fact, he knows most people will not, but that does not change his purpose or his goal. God wants to walk with you. Look at this in Micah. He has shown you, O mortal, okay, he's talking to us, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? Now, notice it doesn't say what the Lord suggests. It says, what does the Lord require and what does it say? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So what is it that God requires of us here? He requires of us to walk with him. What does that mean? It means God requires for you and I to be in a relationship with him. That's what it means. Well, what exactly is that supposed to look like? Well, I want to go to the book of Hebrews, okay? And in the book of Hebrews, we're going to get to know a guy by the name of Enoch. Look at what he says about taking a walk, okay? By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So what do we know about Enoch? Here's what we know about him. 
He walked with God and he pleased God. Anybody in here, wouldn't you like to please God? I do. Enoch pleased God because he walked with God. Now, some of you may be saying, oh, but wait a second, Pastor Bob. I want to clarify something. Didn't it say in that verse that without faith, it's impossible to please God? And you're right. But here's what I want you to know. Enoch walked with God, and he pleased God. And as he walked with God, he demonstrated his faith in God. Can you be a little more clear about that? Yes, I can. Look what it says here in this verse 6 here. It says, because anyone who comes to him must believe that, what's that next word? He. It does not say it. It says he exists. Do you understand what God is saying to us? He says, if you want to please me, you need to walk with me. You need to be in relationship with me. And in order to be in relationship with me, you have to believe that I exist. So as Enoch walked with God, there was no one standing next to him that he could see with his visible eyes. But because he walked with God, he knew and understood faith is believing in that which I do not see. And my God has told me that I can walk with him, so I'm going to walk believing that he is walking with me stride for stride. That's what it means Now, let's go on here for a second, okay? The second thing is that this must be an everyday experience. Every day. I can tell you right now that the way that I build a relationship with my wife is that we talk to each other every day. Do you? I remember, I know in the morning we don't talk very much because I do more listening, and I'm not a morning person, okay? But we talk to each other every day. She just got back from Israel three days. I've heard a lot about Israel, and I love to hear about it because that's her heart. Now, the Bible tells us that this has to be an everyday experience. Why is that? Do you remember in Exodus chapter 16, the children of Israel are out in the wilderness, and they're complaining. They did that quite a bit. And they were complaining about the fact about food. And so what happens is, is that God provides them with food. Remember what it was called? Manna. What does manna mean? It means what is this? They didn't know what it was, but they knew it came from God. Now here's a question that I want to ask you. How often did they get fed? Every day, right? Every day God fed them. And even when they couldn't get it on the Sabbath, God provided enough for them the day before so they would have enough for the Sabbath. Later on in the book of John, after he had done the the feeding of the 5,000, he's on the other side and the people are after him for a miracle and he says, you got it all wrong. You're looking at me for the miracle. And what I want to give to you is what you really need, which is spiritual food. And how often do we need that? Every single day. Let's go on. Look at this story. This is now from Genesis. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. We've all heard of Methuselah. What you may not know is what his name means. The name Methuselah means, in death he shall send. So just to tell you about that, when Methuselah died, guess what came? The flood. 
So Enoch paid attention to what was going on in Methuselah's life. It says he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more because God took him away. All right, now, here's what I want you to understand. How old was Enoch when he began to walk with God? 65, right? So you know what the good news of that is? Is that it doesn't matter how old you are, it's never too late to come and have a walk with God, right? But my question is, is what happened in Eli's life, or excuse me, in Enoch's life, that caused him maybe to walk with God? They had a baby. Babies can change lives, can it? I remember when I held that baby girl, that baby boy in my arms, and I think, oh my word, I'm gonna need some help. Now here's what I want you to understand. That's how God calls us when we haven't answered his call in the beginning. I don't know about you, but I've learned in my world, in my life, that God comes to us in trials and tribulations, and that's what he uses to call us so he can get our attention. Why does God want my attention? From what we just talked about. God's desire is he wants to walk with you. I was talking to a couple not too long ago, and they were, they were, they were sharing with me about that her daughter had gone through some difficult times. And guess what? They showed up in church. You know what just happened? God sent out a call to her through a difficult time with her daughter. She heard the call, and now they're in church. That's how much God loves you. And God continues to call out to his people, and he uses many different ways and many different things to call to you so that you will come and be a part and in a relationship with him. Well, let's go on. I need to get a drink, sorry. I lost part of my voice. The Bible uses the expression to walk with God. So what does that exactly mean? It's a biblical expression. It's seen all throughout the scripture. Scripture and basically involves three things, okay? And here's what they are. Number one, fellowship. Number two, obedience. And number three, God's divine favor. Now, I hope you picked up on that last one because I saw a few of you perk up. We all want God's divine favor, right? And that's exactly what happens when you walk with God. When you walk with God, you come in fellowship with him. The more you're in fellowship with him, guess what? The more you want to be obedient to him. And the more you are obedient to him, the result is always God's divine favor. You see, in Enoch's life, Enoch spent time with God, and what he learned was is that the more frequency in his time with God, the longer he spent with God. In fact, according to the Bible, he spent so long with God that one day God said, hey, we're closer to my house than we are to yours. Why don't you just come ahead and stay at my house? You see, that's what it's about. It's about being in fellowship with God, and the more you're in fellowship with God, the more you want to be obedient to him. It's just like you are with your spouse or with your children. The more time I spend with my wife, the better we get along. The less time we spend each other, the more we do this. 
And that's what God wants. God wants to be so in tune with you. He wants to be so in sync with you that the result is a relationship, and then he gives you his divine favor. Now, here's the thing I want you to remember. If you walk with God, you walk against the world. You know that, right? If you walk with God, you walk against the world. Okay, so I like to go to the gym, and I walk a lot on the track. You know what's funny? What's funny is when somebody who comes to the gym and they're a rookie and they walk the track and they're walking the wrong way. You see, if you've been there a while, you know the direction everybody's walking. There's these little squares on the pillars, and the pillars tell you which way we're all walking that day. Now, what's really funny is that you ought to see the looks that people get when they're not walking the same direction as everyone else. I've heard it's pretty bad. But you're walking, and all of a sudden, somebody goes by you, and people are just glaring at you like, you just did something horrible. You rebel. You know what I mean? But we have one little lady, and I'm not kidding. She's probably about this tall, and she's kind of the track cop. And one day, I wasn't walking in. No, I was, I was walking in the right direction. I wasn't in the right lane. And she told me, sir, that's for the runners. You're over here in this lane. Yes, ma'am. But that's the way it is, is when we walk with God, we walk against the world. And you know what happens? That means that sometimes when you're around individuals who don't think like you do or think like Jesus does, you have to learn to turn and walk away or simply let your light shine. That's what God wants us to do, is to stop giving our heart to everybody and give them permission to step on it, but instead, keep our hearts within us and bring God into the situation so that we can control that muscle that is so difficult to control, and it's called the tongue, right? The best way that we can be an example to others is by simply shining our light. All right, now, so what does this walk look like with the Lord, okay? Amos 3 again says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? So here's what we're saying here. The first thing is is that you have to walk in step with him. All right, here's a funny story. So when Lori and I walk, when we would start out, this is how the conversation would go. I walk five steps to your one, okay? Hint, slow down. I remember one time I said, well, why don't you speed up? I never said that again. (laughs) But here's the thing that happens is that as we walk together, guess what happens? We start paying attention to each other's steps. And what do we do before we know it? Guess what? We're walking in sync with one another. It's kind of like, have you ever been in a three-legged race? You know what, you have to be in sync with one another because if you're not, you're gonna fall flat on your face. And that's what God is teaching us here. We have to be in step with him. Now, did you hear that? He's not gonna be in step with us. We have to be in step with him because it's his walk. And here's what I want you to remember. The way you walk in step with God is that when you read your devotions, when you read God's word and God's word says you're not supposed to be something that doing something that you're doing, you are supposed to make the change. That's how you walk in step with God. And the more you walk in step with him, the greater your fellowship is. 
Now when Lori and I go out for a walk, you know what? We don't have to even pay attention as to who's walking or how fast or whatever. We've just learned to walk together. And that's what God wants. He wants us to walk together. Here's the next thing. Take a look at this first. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. I remember my kids when they were little, whenever I would walk, or I would do this with my grandpa, I would watch them and I'd go, just to make sure I was in step with them. You know what I mean? And that's what God wants for us. All right, let's go on. Here's the second thing. You already have had to have make an appointment. Okay? Do two people walk together unless they have agreed to meet? One of the things that, has lear- that I've learned and is in my calendar and it's on my watch and it comes up every morning and what it simply says is it says QT, okay? Not quick trip, okay? It says quiet time. You see, here's what I've learned. Where my treasure is, that's where my heart is. And so I want God to know that he comes first in my life. So you know how I do that? I put it on my calendar. I schedule it with him. If you look at my calendar, if you look at my watch, you can see that the very first thing says quiet time. I've made an appointment with him. Okay, so why do you do that? Well, the answer is really simple. Because when I make a good first decision, the second, third, and fourth decisions are even easier to make for good. I know some of you have probably heard that admiral who spoke to the University of Texas. Remember what he told the graduates, if you want to be successful, what's the first thing you need to do? Remember what he said? Make your bed, right? Here's what I've learned. Before I brush my teeth, before I do anything, I make sure that the Lord knows that he comes first. And so every morning, including this morning, I'm in my spot, I'm in my chair, having my quiet time with God. Look at what it says. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. Now, I want to just focus on this just for a second. You know why I do it in the morning? Because that's what God did in the garden. That's what God did in the garden. When it talks about that he walked in the cool of the day, that was in the morning. And here's the other thing that I've learned. Every time I come to my quiet time, you know what happens? I realize somebody's been waiting for me and it's God. It's like he is so anxious to meet with me that when I get there, he is there ready to pour into me and tell me, Bob, I know things are crazy. Had a crazy morning this morning. I know things are crazy, but here's what I want you to understand. Put your eyes on me, I'll give you peace, and I'll take care of everything else. Just let it go and let me do it. You know how good that felt? that the creator of the universe was there waiting for him this morning, knew everything that was going to happen already today, and he was there waiting. Hey, buddy, I got this one. Take a look at this. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you, therefore he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Here's what I want you to understand. I have never had a morning, I have never had a time when I've spent with the Lord when he's been there to point the finger at me and make me feel horrible. You know what he does every morning? What does the Bible say? He says, therefore he will rise up to show me what? Compassion. For God is a God of of justice. And you know what? He loves me. And so when I go to him, he's not ready to point the finger. He's there with open arms. Hey, buddy, I've been waiting for you. I know yesterday was a rough day. I know you didn't sleep very well. But man, I couldn't wait to get with you. 
I was hoping and praying that you would show up this morning because I'm going to fill you with stuff that you need to make it through this day. Here's the next part. Finally, if you're going to walk with God, you already have an agreement. What's the agreement? Here it is. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you. Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Two things there that the Lord tells us. Number one, he redeemed us. You understand what a big deal that is? You know what God had to do so that he could redeem you and me? He had to send his son to the cross. And that's the second part of this agreement, is that it came with a great price. The price was the blood of his son, Jesus. And so when we gather together in the morning, and it's me sitting there with the Lord, he tells me, Bob, remember, I've redeemed you, so you belong to me. And the cost was the life of my son. So Bob, here's what that means. That bank account, that's not yours. Your family, not yours. This relationship, not yours. Everything you have, Bob, belongs to me, and it cost me greatly. But Bob, remember something. I'm your biggest cheerleader. I want you to win, and I've got plans for you if you would just walk in fellowship with me, be obedient, and then I can use my divine favor to make a difference in your life. I want to show you something real quickly. We're almost done here. I want to go to the book of Jude. It's the second to last book in the Bible. It's kind of interesting here because in Jude 14 it says this, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. That's kind of an interesting statement. Enoch, the seventh from Adam. Why in the world would God's put in there Enoch, the seventh from Adam? Here's why. He put in there that Enoch was the seventh from Adam because there was another Enoch already in the Bible. It was Cain's son. Cain had a son whose name was Enoch, and he was known by man, and he was so popular with man that guess what? They built and named a city after him. This is the son that came from Seth's line. This is the seventh from Adam. And this is the man who spoke out against sin. And this was the man who was known by God. So I want to ask you this morning two questions. The first one is this, and this is what I want to close with. There was a big change in the way that the Lord God appeared to Adam and Eve after, after Genesis chapter 3. In the beginning, God would come and he would wait for them and they would show up and he would walk with them in the garden. But after Genesis 3, God had to call them. Here's my question for you. Is God waiting for you? Or is he calling out your name? Is he waiting for you to come into his presence? 
or has he got the hounds of heaven after you because you're ignoring him? I'm telling you, those hounds don't give up. Here's the second thing. Enoch was known by God. Cain's Enoch was known by man. So which are you known by? Are you known by God because you walk with him? Or is it more important to you that you have the favor of man and someday maybe have a city named after you? God makes it perfectly clear. It's important to be known by God. I want to close this with a story, okay? This is the story of the three princes. There was a king who lived off in a faraway land, and he decided that he was going to give his daughter to the man who could watch, the prince who could walk a straight line from their kingdom all the way to his castle. Three princes, princes showed up one day, and the first one said, I'll walk. And so what he did is he got down, and he, put, he just put one foot in front of the other, and that's how he walked the entire way. The only problem was is that he lost his balance, and guess what? Within 50 yards, he was already off the mark, and he was no longer on a straight path, and the king dismissed him. The second one came up, and he had a different idea. He said, you know what? I'm just going to walk down the middle, and I'm just going to pay attention to the right and the left, and I'm going to make sure that everything stays the same distance on my right and left, and then I'll be able to walk a straight line. Within 50 yards, guess what? He had veered off the pack, and the king said, nope, you're eliminated. Then came the third prince. He was the wise one. You know what he did? He didn't look to the right or to the left. He didn't look at his feet. He just looked at the castle, and in the castle in the window where the princess was, was a light. And he focused his eyes on the light. And because of that, he walked all the way to the castle, and he won the prize. I think that's what God is trying to tell us here this morning. Stop worrying about what's on your right and what's on your left. Stop worrying about everything that's in front of you. Just keep your eyes on me, the light of the world, and I will bring you home safely. But not only will you come, but you'll bring many behind you. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer in my life. I don't want to be a lukewarm Christian. I want to be on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be able to be a witness for him. And when I need to, I'll use words. Amen? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, thanks for this day. Thanks for your word. Thanks for the example that you said before us that you desire to walk with your people. You're the one who calls us into a relationship with you. But God, I also know that it's comforting to know and then those times when I forget or those times when I've got too much to do on my plate and I forget to meet with you, the very next morning there you are once again just waiting for me. And you're always the same arms open, ready to welcome me, and ready to help me get ready for the day. I've learned, Father, that when I begin my day with you, everything goes a lot smoother. Father, as we now prepare to walk towards Easter, towards the cross, and beyond the cross to the tomb, and even beyond the tomb, I pray, Lord, may we learn from the walks of others but may we focus on the walk of Jesus 
and it's in his name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Would you stand? And I want to give you the benediction before you go home. I think K-State's on at what, 1.30? Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his joy, and his strength. Enjoy your walk with Jesus this week. God bless you. We'll see you next week.